On this episode, we discuss the industry sales growth numbers, labor shortages, and the pro-AV gender gap. These stories and more on AV Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week, episode 524, recorded September 3rd, 2021. Where do we go from here? Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Extron, industry-leading technology backed by world-class support. And by Vadio, a leading manufacturer of professional PTZ cameras, pro-AV solutions, and UCC integration systems. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of AV Week, your source for news and information in the AV industry. My name is George Tucker. I'm sitting in for Tim Albright today, who is at Cedia. Thanks for joining us. Today, we're going to talk about some hot topics in the AV industry. Uh, and to join me and help get through all of those is two people who I haven't seen in quite a long time, and I can't wait to talk to them. First off is Victoria Ferrari. She is Senior Design Consultant at Conference Technologies Incorporated. Good to see you. Hey, good to see you too, George. Yeah, how are you holding up in this uh, remote world? Oh, it's awesome. Living the dream, man. <laughs> and of course, someone who's been doing the remote world for longer than probably most of us even knew what it was is the Rich Fragosa. He is owner of Fragosa Design, or as the rest of the world knows him, Uncle Richie. Good to see you, sir. Good to see you too. Mellow West Coast greetings, actually on the AV Week side. So I think I'm going for the trifecta this this month. So uh, I've got uh, this Resi, and uh, of course with my partner Steve Greenblatt, the the uh, state of control. So always good to be on this one. I like I like uh, being able to get my commercial my commercial chop time in. Do you get a little like trophy for that? Is it like the triple crown? I tell it is. You know it is the triple crown of AV. All, exactly. All in one month, right? <laughs> the hat trick. That's it. Yeah, the hat trick. There you go. Uh, well, none of us, well, we don't throw hats. We got nothing there. Uh, all right, we'll move on to the, the stories here. The first one up here is Avixa. It says AV sales growth remains strong despite rising Delta virus. This comes to us from AV Network and it's dissecting Avixa's latest pro AV business index. All right, so the skinny on the longer article is that sales are up. Uh, especially in June. So it was covering the June, July, August uh, region. Uh, but they were down from July. So June down, July up, not by much. Uh, but they talk a lot about the fact that we're slowing down and the concern for what comes in August and September. And obviously, we're recording this in early September, so we should hear those August numbers soon. Uh, Rich, I'm going to start with you. Uh, we saw a huge influx of work, especially residential, at the sort of midpoint of the pandemic. Lots of people wanting to gussy up the house, make it more livable, do the luxuries that they've probably put off for a while. What are your thoughts on this sort of downturn, however slight it might be? Do you think this is a forbearance of something coming, or do you think we've really got our hooks in and it's just going to come back once school starts? Uh, it's all coming down to supply chain. Mm. You know, it, this is we're starting to see at the beginning of the year there was warnings that there was going to be supply chain issues but the model numbers and kind of the existing stock was carrying through um up until you know if they're talking about june it was it was fiscal year end for a lot of companies so you hit that fiscal year end 
sales always tend to kick in right at that very end. Budgets are being spent. They've got to get it through. Um, and so at that point, <laughs> even though uh, the vendors, the, the integrators are saying, hey, look, we're starting to see shortages. We're going to be pushed out. The clients are saying, well, we've got our budget that we have to spend, so we're going to go ahead and order it now. Yeah, we got to wait eight weeks, 10 weeks, 12 weeks, whatever it is, but if we don't allocate it now, we're going to lose it. So there, there's always that last rush at the end of fiscal for companies and for integrators because, again, they're trying to get their sales, year-end sales with, with their manufacturers as well. Um, but now, um, you know, I'm, I, I just received an email yesterday from one of my regional sales managers, 14 to 18-week lead times minimum on products that you need for projects. Not, it's not even more like little accessories or things that you can live without. We're talking about infrastructure parts of, of these deployment systems. So there's video conferencing, video distribution, audio distribution, speakers. I mean, just crazy stuff. Uh, and so the concern is that the sales, the sales are available. The product isn't, which then is creating a lot of difficult conversations with clients, which is we'd love to be able to do the work. We have no inventory and we've scoured it. So now the choices are, do you hammer profitability? Do you have to deal with plan B, plan C, plan D vendors and completely deviate from what you do? Um, or do you wait? And then when you wait, well, if, you know, the client's like, well, it's not my problem. You don't have gear. And so I don't need to give you the money now. I'm going to wait until <laughs> you get the gear and call me. And so it's it's a huge catch-22 that's coming on right now. And I think we're going to see, especially over the next quarter, um, you know, because, again, this is all looking backwards, right? This is looking at past sales. It's not projected. And I think if you talk to Avixa about the projected sales that are coming up. I think we're going to start hearing more and more that supply chain is going to uh, create advisories <laughs> when in the forward thinking uh, in the forward thinking reports that that are going to be coming out. Well, I, I want to follow up with you for a minute on that, though. So you said uh, like supply chain, we've been seeing mixed signals or mixed information about supply chain. Some are saying they're handling it well. Some are saying that it's a real crunch. But do you see the fact that a lot of corporations are now saying like Google and Apple are saying we're not going to have anybody in the office until 2022 now does that give some breathing room or is it just delaying the inevitable I think that you know yeah you've got Google you've got Microsoft but I see them as a subset um, schools are back uh, so you've got the entire ed tech category that you're dealing with you know, and so, yeah, maybe things might shut down and there could be something that occurs to to push things back to distance learning again. But as it stands right now, at least for this quarter, you know, there's a lot of companies who just live in this industry in ed tech. Uh, you know, government's a little bit different. Uh, corporate, I think a lot of companies have adjusted already. I think that those adjustments have already come into play. Um, I think that most companies have viewed and said, you know, we're going to have a reduction in on-site re workforce. However, we still need some of the spaces when they are here, even if they're they're used. So, I mean, is it maybe breathing room? Perhaps, but it also does allow the companies themselves, the clients to say, yeah, we can wait. You know, we're, we're in no rush now. So, you know, Avix's the statement was, you know, 
sales were great in that period started seeing the petering down i think we're good and, and it's not doom and gloom it's just that um you know you you know everybody what is it everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth and that's what the, that's what this feels like right it makes they had a plan you know, on what they wanted to say and then everybody got punched in the mouth again and so we're dealing with it again and i think that three months from now looking back everybody's going to point and go oh yeah you know this time period occurred and, you know, I mean, government work is changing right now. There's been some slightly large news that's occurred <laughs> over the past four days, you know, in how government is operating right now and the military is operating right now. And so, you know, there it's 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 a big it's a big eight ball <laughs> of sales confusion right now. Right. Yeah, I like that. I like that metaphor. It's, it looks prosperous. You know, who knows? Um, that's right. Well, Victoria. Rich mentioned uh, that they're holding off on um, uh, putting employees in and adding employees to the payrolls. And the same report from Avixa talks about AV employment being up, but still much lower than they expected. And this has been a recurring problem and something actually we're going to touch on in some other articles right after this about AV employment sort of just staying in the same space. And do you see any opportunity here to get more people on board and ready for what we expect to be a rush? I mean, despite Delta virus and possibly another variant in Colombia <laughs> being problematic, shouldn't this be the time for companies to say, hey, I should take on a few of those people whom I think I can really build. And by the time the full wave comes, I'm going to have some guys ready to go. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, talking, you know, as Rich mentioned, the supply chain thing, I mean, our backlog is huge. And what's going to happen, we're going to have a tsunami of work um, once all of these products shake loose. And so I think it makes a lot of sense to start lining people up. Um, and whether that's, you know, looking at, uh, like what we've done, we have a inner um, a uh, internship program uh, with college graduates um, we look at like uh, uh, computer science people and you know entry level uh, that are interested in AV. Another thing too, where we look at um, the live event uh, uh, market. So you know, live events is obviously way down, um, but we are having more and more clients that are doing hybrid. Uh, live events and so we still need those skill sets of people that know how to run a mixer and run audio and you know they have some people there in person and then they're broadcasting to a remote audience and we're even having um, corporate clients ask us to build them green you know uh, a studio in their office um, so there's you know that specialty that uh, we can we can take advantage of um, and then there's just there's a lot of other ways that we can be valuable for our clients this time, um, even if we can't deliver product. And, you know, delivering product, right, is our bread and butter. It's what we do. It's AV is, you know, selling big black boxes, um, magic, you know, black boxes and making them work. But the integrators that are going to succeed are ones that are finding what the clients need and and where they can where they can bring value to them. Are you having trouble finding people to stay? Is there a labor issue with you guys finding anyone who says, sure, I'll sign on? So I'm not, 
100% privy to that, but what I've heard, so I, I sat on a call, an NSCA call uh, earlier this week, and a lot of integrators were saying they were having labor shortages, they're having issues with labor, they're having people who, you know, live in high expensive places and they want to move to a cheaper place and work remotely, um, but that company needs them in the, you know, in the expensive place and vice versa and companies offering more money, you know, to live somewhere else and work remotely. So there is a weird juggling thing, I would say, uh, with the labor force, um, finding good people and keeping them and, and then also, you know, being able to line up people for when you have this next wave that's coming. Um, but I've only, you know, heard through the grapevine. I don't know. Well, that leads me to the next topic, actually, which I'm going to start with you, obviously. Uh, the, the, it's from Sound of Communications magazine, right? What you need to know about gender pay gap in pro-AV. All right, this is something we have talked about in a while. Um, and I want to start, you know, right back end with you, uh, Victoria, because generally it's a couple of old gray-haired white guys talking about why there's a gender gap pay for women, <laughs> which really, you know, I don't know if that helps the purpose or defeats it, but... The, the, the salient facts that come out of this article, real quickly, that we can bounce off of are, uh, it's based on research from uh, a company that's uh, Francis Blau, I believe, and Lawrence Kahn, uh, saying that women in pro-AV earn either 79%, 83%, or 89% of what men do in the industry. It's a very interesting set of numbers there, and it touches on why is this happening and where are we? Where are women in the industry, and, and 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 that kind of story? So I'm going to start with you. Is why do you think that discrepancy is there? That's a good question. Um, it's hard to say. You know, I I've always found that you have to advocate for yourself. You have to toot your own horn. You have to keep track of your. Um, things that you've done that have brought value to the company, which it, as a salesperson, that's easy. You can say, hey, I, I made this many sales at, you know, at this margin and look what I've done you know, for the company. But as like a tech or as a marketing person, it's a little bit harder to measure your value. But I've been in those, in those positions um, and you find creative ways to you know, go to your boss and say, hey, I haven't had a pay raise in a year or whatever. Here is why I deserve one. And you have to ask, you know, and the, there's this whole song and dance kind of game, how to ask for a raise the right way. And, you know, I feel that I've been successful in that. And some people are better negotiators than others. Um, but I could also see the other side of the coin that, you know, so maybe women are more timid. I don't know. Maybe, um, they need more time off. Maybe they have gaps in their employment because they're having babies. And so they don't have, you know, they've got five kids or whatever, even three kids. And they've, you know, have missed that time to build their experience, to add to their resume or whatever. Um, it's hard to say. But yeah, well, you bring up a good point there because part of the article does, it's a lengthy article, but part of the article does go into the discrepancy in pay sometimes comes down to the part-time versus full-time. And as we know, well know, a lot of corporations will go 35 hours as part-time and 40 hours as full-time. 
and we all work over that 35 hours and that kind of thing. But it was based on that the lion's share of childcare does still fall back on women in such things like the pandemic and economic downturns. Uh, there's an interesting stat in here that says that when they're compared to the same job, so a field tech to a field tech, the ratio is that higher 89% of a man's, a man's pay is, is there. Um, which is a little bit below the national average, what 92%, I think they said it really is. Um, but my, my question that I guess then comes back to you is why are we not seeing more women in that sales or the technical side? Is, is, is there a discrepancy in the way that we hire? Do you think that they're just being pushed off? I mean, I don't want to put the answer in your mouth, but there's a lot of speculation in the, in the media about why this happens. Yeah, I think, you know, different people have different opinions on, on why it happens. Um, me personally, I think that, you know, maybe women just aren't as interested in those positions. I mean, it could be as simple as that. You know, I think there, there's a variety of factors. I think, I don't think there's one big thing that you can point to. I think that you know, maybe part of it is is hiring. Maybe part of it is, you know, not um, exposing young girls to that type of thing. Although I've seen um, more recently, I have young nieces, um, and you know, a lot of them are into like Minecraft and coding and things like that. And so, I think the future is bright for sure. Um, but I think like there's some catching up to do, um, and then there's other factors you know, too, that just maybe some women aren't, aren't interested in that. Well, I get that point. Although, uh, so I'm going to turn this now to Uncle Richie. You and I have both promoted and pushed people that we thought were talented of any gender or any, di or any diversity, you know, race, religion, creed, the whole bit, right? I know, you know, I've had long talks about this offline in the past. Uh, some of them are in the media now that we both recognized as that person is the ticket. That's the millennial generation right there. Somebody pay attention to this, please, because and they're doing wonderfully. Um, but the current ratio in, in this report is that 9% of the respondents were women. Now, again, respondents to surveys can vary, but it was 14% two years ago. And you and I know that we've seen difficulty in how people above us in the companies when I used to work didn't often hire women. You know, I have a, I have a situation, a mutual person we, we, we know, who in seeing a woman tech went, that's a girl, she can't do the work, before even seeing her, right? And I think that's why, you know, this, the old two white men now talking about this is, are we not looking in the right place? Victoria mentioned the Minecraft generation and some of those other things where you and I probably saw people who were musicians and in bands that played, well, our kind of music, <laughs> that we instantly connected with and said they're the kind of person we want. But we're really not doing enough to say, you know, let's find those people and see if we can nurture them. And there's a lot of sink and swim in this industry, and I think maybe we're doing too much of that. Do you think we can change it somehow? Well, I mean, that is the question about this industry in general and how this industry is vulnerable and why um, networking and, and IT and the other tech sectors are eating um, the AV industry's lunch. It's, it's you know, again, it, it's you, you I've been more and more 
focusing on the phrase and the advice that I give integrators or people starting out and, and trying to follow it myself is our industry is having a really hard time being brutal with its weaknesses. Mm-hmm. We're, we're becoming increasingly um, unaware <laughs> of, of where our problems are. And that's tough because, yeah, and again, like I said, we're, t- we're talking about the gender, the, the gender gap. You and I are the least qualified to talk about this. You know, I mean, we're 50-year-old males. So part of Fergosa Design is part actually part of a larger holding company called Fergosa Ventures. Um, uh, I'm not the CEO. <laughs> uh, my wife is the CEO of, of, the, of the actual corporation. And, but it's required... Um, you know, she runs her own consulting company, everything else. And, and, you know, her background was in education and she focuses on STEM and technology and everything else. But it is a hard path to navigate for women in in these industries. And so it's great to see STEM coming up. It's great to see more women and young girls be encouraged and having role models in, in STEM. But it's a lot to it's, it's a you know, I mean, that the, the gender gap is real. Um, and then you expand out, and I think it was something we were going to lead into, is that you've got not only that, but the diversity gap. Um, you know, a, a perfect example is is take a look at how tech is treating the LGBTQ community. Mm-hmm. We don't talk about it at all in our industry, at all. And yet, <laughs> we have many in that industry. So it, it, they all come together in terms of we're not actively looking to have our workforce and our outlook as an industry reflect the greater population and the generation coming in, which is why it is becoming more and more difficult to attract young talent. Our industry is aging out. Um, We're getting outliers who come in that are young. But again, I see a lot more 40 and 50 year old guys in our industry now than 30 years ago when I started and there were 20 and 30 year old guys and gals into the industry but even then it was more guys than gals um and so it, it it really is we're going to reach a critical mass point i think where if the willingness again to be brutal with our weaknesses as an industry aren't spent more and then the way it's going to happen is it's going to be financially companies are going to start cut suffering um what will happen is that more and more tech managers and IT managers and facilities managers are going to say, we don't need you guys because, you know, you don't, one, you don't have any people. <laughs> Two, you're behind the times. Three, everybody else brought their skills up and we are in a software-based world. And, you know, like, like Vittorio was saying earlier, um, our industry is really, really reticent to get past the we sell boxes mentality. I mean, it is it is ingrained in this industry. And, uh, you know, Mark Andreessen came up with the line, you know, again, founder of the web browser, right? Software is eating the world. Our industry steadfastly (laughs) refuses to take that advice. And. And that's where it's being reflected, right? You know, you've you've got engineers coming in, you've got techs coming in, all of these things. And, and, uh, you know, again, it's not doom and gloom, but tech is doing it right and growing for a reason. 
our industry is basically just trying to grip tighter and tighter and tighter on the shrinking pool of available work. <laughs> and, you know, that's that that that's one that always gives me concern, especially people looking to break into the industry. I'm like, are you sure? Um, because there are there are lots of venues available to you now that weren't available to me when I started out. You know, I've got a 11 year old and a 17 year old. You know, and both of them are really STEM heavy. Uh, you know, one on the science and and kind of the biology side, and the other one is yeah, he's 11 years old and coding and Python. I mean, you know, he's doing crazy stuff, and and he has a better trajectory in the tech industry than he would in the AV industry. And that's not a gender thing. It's it's not a, a sexual identity thing. That's just the looking at how the industry is changing and how we're going to be relating with technology in the future. And so, like I said, I mean, I, I kind of deviated from it, but, but it is an important part in that we're not recognizing the available workforce. There's a lot of companies that are still run by 50, 60, 70-year-old white guys that are like, this is the way we've done it for 40 years. This is the way we're going to do it for another 40 years. And it's not happening. Yeah, that's the thing I was going to push you in a corner about, not that you're the advocate for the other side. Um, but some statistics just to think about for a second, and then I'm going to ask you the question, and Victoria, you can please jump in on this. But as people know, I'm a big fan of a woman called Cindy Gallup, who was an advertising exec, an entrepreneur, and just a bon viant, as you want. And she's, she's just incredible. But she repeats this mantra that there are billions to be made on catering and including women in industry. And to that, back her up. Uh, McKinsey report, which is another reporting survey people that companies that actively recruit and install women in lead roles perform 50% better financially than others, right? So what are we missing and why are the 50 year old guys stuck in their cigar smoking chairs? What can you and I do? I guess is the really question is to, to advocate for that because we're not going to move that guy in the 50-year-old chair unless you and I speak up and say, why isn't that person being elevated to the next level? Why isn't that woman tech being pushed onto the job because she can do it? We stay quiet. And I think there's a real, and that, and that's not just women, that's diversity. We stay quiet, keep our head low kind of stuff. But really the honest and putting it in a corner is we have to say something. That person belongs out there with us. And sometimes it's, I guess, and you can disagree, but it's, I shouldn't go, they should. It's tough because, it, again, it, it is true. It's that um, – and I've been guilty of it myself um, – of all of a sudden trying to mansplain to a woman the issues. Are, and, and I have to stop and, and I'll, I'll say my, my CEO, my wife, is great about stopping me in my tracks and it, it, exactly about what you're talking about and saying you're not registering how to speak to people who you're allied with. And there's that first fear, which is the, I, you know, I have no, uh, you know, because I don't have skin in the game in that sense, I'm not a woman, I'm not really the one qualified to talk. Because, I, again, it's like, here, here, here comes the guy to talk for women and protect women. It, it, you know, I mean, it defeats the purpose, right? You know, it's like, it, they're, it, it's not looking to be the hero. You need to embolden women or anybody in you know in, in in any marginalized community to be their own champions, 
And it's tough because also from a business decision, how much do you bite the hand that feeds you as well? So, you know, it, 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 but that's what activism is, right? right. You know, where yeah. are you making those choices? I like how you said that, Rich. It's, it, you know, we don't need a knight in shining army uh, armor, but, you know, we need the path to go there ourselves um, to walk that. Um, and I think that you, you use the word emboldened. I like that. You know, I've also heard the uh, research that you had said, George, about um, companies that have women in leadership, you know, do better, um, make more money. I think it makes sense. I mean, anytime that you, you know, can have a diverse group of people, you're bringing, you know, creativity, you're bringing different um, paradigms and different ideas. And that can only be you know, that can only advance everything. Um, the other thing, uh, oh, I forgot where my brain was going. <laughs> well, <laughs> Anyways, let, me ask yeah. you, let me ask you, though, a pointed question in the, in the few minutes we have left here. Uh, you know, you say it's not about the, the superhero, of course, which is the sort of the idealized what men do when, when the situation comes. But is there validity to that idea of, hey, that person who's been sitting next to me as a tech is not going on the jobs they need to go on the jobs. That advocacy in that level, is that considered being the superhero or is it more of, hey, the guy's above me, you're not paying attention? Um, so, I don't know, I don't know what the answer, I think it, I think it depends on the situation. Hmm. Um, but I think that the, the person who advocates for themselves is gonna be I think that that's stronger than someone else saying, Hey, she should go on the job site, um, or send her, don't send me. Um, you know, cause at the same time, at, you know, if we're talking at the tech level, you know, both of you might be vying for the same, you know, position up the PM position or whatever. And so at the end of the day, you're running a race and the winner's going to be the winner. Um, and everybody should work hard to, to get to that place. But um, it could be beneficial to, for that tech to say to their higher ups, like, hey, um, I've noticed that my colleague has, uh, she's specially well versed in, you know, this particular thing or whatever. We should have her come on the job site to do that, that kind of thing. I know the company I work for, we're always open to, we have this, we have this thing called 1% better. If we can just be 1% better every day, um, you know, it makes a huge difference in the long run. And, you know, being 1% better by empowering our coworkers and, you know, saying positive things about them, um, or giving them, or, or, you know, allowing everybody to have an opportunity to shine and do their best. Um, that's going to just be positive all the way around. Oh, I appreciate that. There's a mix of ideas there and, and hopefully we'll get through it. It's the modern world and the new millennia. We should probably, uh, get along with it. Right. Uh, but we have run out of time for this show, so I want to thank you guys for this discussion, which probably could have been an entire two-hour show <laughs> with plenty of more voices chiming in uh, on that. Uh, again, thank you for, for all that. Uh, Victoria, where can people find out more about you, about CTI? So you can find me on LinkedIn, Victoria Ferrari. I'm also on the Twitters, Victoria0429. And uh, you can find Conference Tech. Uh, it's just conferencetech.com. Thank you so much. And of course, Uncle Richie, where can people find out more about you and your, your going-ons? 
our suite of services. <laughs> well, um, you can you can type my name into the interwebs, and various things will show up. Some good, some interesting. Um, you can find the company Design, uh, dot com uh, on the Twitters at rfergosa. But first and foremost, I hope where you find me is here on AV Nation and our suite of affiliated shows, whether it's here with you, George Tucker, uh, doing a fantastic job pinch hitting, by the way. Thank you for having me on. Uh, but here on Navy Week, we've got Resi Week with Matt Scott. Uh, we have a uh, monthly show with my partner, Steve Greenblatt, A State of Control, where we talk about strictly the control automation side of the industry. Um, but most importantly, if you could help a brother out and support our sponsors, uh, that's where I would be the happiest. Uh, uh, but, but yeah, oh, hopefully find me here. That, that, would, that would make me happy. All right, cool. Uh, you can also find me on the webs, mostly on Twitter as Tucker Twos. Uh, and I do write quite a bit freelance. Uh, you probably have read my stuff, just didn't know it because my name's not always on it. Uh, Rich basically set the tagline for me. But yes, we have a suite of shows covering every part of the industry verticals and some of the horizontals. Uh, covering every aspect to give you the information and insight what's going on in the AV industry. So please do visit at avnation.tv. Again, avnation.tv. And I want to thank you all for watching, and we look forward to speaking with all of you again very soon. <laughs>